0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In the minute, we lie. We, we live.
1: This is Locked On Hornets, and this is Draft Week, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Today's Draft Week episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code LOHORNETS when you download the free SeatGeek app and get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the only person that I would have by my side for Draft Week, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker.
0: Can you believe it? Can you believe it, Doug? It's finally here.
1: I'm exhausted, and this uh, <laughs> this this phlegm cough thing that I've got going on won't go away. And I've decided that um, I'm like Ariel from The Little Mermaid. I'm not going to get my voice back until the Hornets select Donovan Mitchell at 11.
0: Oh boy, oh, that's man. it. I know. Uh, no, it's lining up too perfectly. It's it's really all working out just like we hoped.
1: Also, I've decided, David, that there's, there's too much NBA news around this time. I didn't think that was possible. But after this they all, weekend, whew, I'm exhausted. You had the Markel Fultz news, the deal. Is it a deal? No. I don't know. It's Danny Ainge. You never know. Now Paul George is like, listen, Pacers, We can stay together one more year until
0: the kids go to college. Let's just enjoy this year. But after that, I'm
1: I'm leaving for the West Coast. I'm leaving for bigger and better things. Now the Pacers are like, well, we want a starter and two first round picks for Paul George, which at first I'm like, please. And then I'm like, well, would the Pacers take MKG Plumlee, a 2018 and a 2020 first round pick? And that's why I'm not a general manager.
0: Uh, we've <laughs> we've dipped our toes into the GM pool, Doug, and it is it can be chilly. It can be a chilly, chilly water.
1: It's chilly water. It's good. Well, and then it gets immediately hot.
0: <laughs> it gets it's both. Really t- it's volatile. never.
1: It's just never room temperature. That's why I'm building a bunker. I'm building a Woge bomb bunker, uh, stocked oh, with yeah, stocked with reasonable takes. That's what you can expect from us here at Locked On Hornets. We try to deflect a little bit of the hot take noise. We try to get down into the nitty gritty, into the weeds, figure things out, calm down, reason. That's what we're all about. So stick with us here for this draft coverage. It's a crazy time of year, and you need somebody to make sense of it. Coming up in this show, we've got sound from Luke Kennard and Bam Adebayo. They were in Charlotte along with Justin Jackson for the final Hornets pre draft workout. We'll have sound from them. Plus, our man, friend of the show, host of primetime on WFNZ, 16 a.m., 102.5 FM, Chris Kroger, Hornets insider. He's going to drop some knowledge on us later in this show. But first, we are days away from the draft night, and the Hornets have wrapped up their workouts. All that's left is the doing, David. You have three players for us that the Hornets should consider with their 11th pick. I have three players they should consider with the 41st pick. We're going to get people right into this draft projection. David, you're up. Who you got?
0: Yeah, so I approached this from the thinking that these guys might be there. This is kind of the upside for me. Um, At least the first guy, I think, who we've targeted all along is Dennis Smith, who you know, probably won't be there. I think there's a, a, a razor-thin chance that he might be there if a, a couple things happen up in front of the Hornets and he slips down. Uh, but I think that's the best-case scenario. I think he has maybe the, maybe one of the highest upsides in this draft. I think they obviously need some help at point guard. I think he's a scoring guy who can really excel. Um, I don't know that he'll get past the Mavericks, though. That's the one sticking point for me. Um, it just all depends on how that shakes out. But to me, that's, that's the best-case scenario realistic scenario for the Hornets would be Dennis Smith falling to them and them selecting Dennis Smith. All right. What's next? Uh, next for me is our guy, Donovan Mitchell. I'm putting him in at my number two scenario. I do think he will be there. I think he is a high is rising up the draft boards fast, but I think he's going to be there at 11. They've looked at him. We've looked at him. You've looked at him. Everyone's looked at him. We all love him. Make it happen. I think that is a number two on my big board and the number three, Doug, A bit surprising for me, I must admit. Uh, Frank, Nick, 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 I can't, I can't do it yet. Nilakina. There we go. Nilakina. I think uh, the wingspan on young Frank is the most impressive thing about him. um, That the perimeter defense could really be helpful. Again, another guy, I think, though, that could go before the Hornets select. That's going to be one of the interesting things to watch for me on draft night is how these two ladder point guards you know, shake out in the draft. If he's there though, that's another spot they could look to fill uh, another point guard spot. They could look to fill if he's there. So that'll be an interesting choice. If you know, if, if uh, Frank and Donovan are there along with guys like Zach Collins uh, and Kennard uh, and like OG on something like that. I mean, they I think they are going to have some choices if they stick at 11, but for me, that's the top three.
1: And it's interesting, David, you go all three point guards for, uh-huh. for your big board, and that really points out what a hole they have to fill at that backup point guard position, but it also points out what we've talked about for several weeks now, that when you look at the free agent point guard situation, it's like the one area in free agency that's, that's a little thin in terms of who can be had at the mid-level exception, because there's a lot of big names that are going to be available for teams that have money. But if you're just jumping into the offseason, you have no idea what's going on with the Hornets. They have no money. They've got nothing. The Hornets can't afford too many slips
0: on a banana peel.
1: Um, they've got the middle yeah. because they're already over the cap. They have the middle level exception, which is about eight plus million dollars for a maximum of four years. And then the biannual exception that you get uh, every other year. And that's uh, three point three million dollars for a max of two
0: years. So. Yeah.
1: They've got to they've got to be realistic with their expectations, and at point guard, it's really thin.
0: Yeah, and that wasn't intentional on my part. That just ended up, you know, how it shook I'm out. surprised I, how I high guess.
1: you are on Frank. Well, I just,
0: think, I just think that, you know, he's rising on the draft boards too. I don't think he's in, like, that top eight-ish talent level-wise, but again, their need at point guard, some of the things we've heard out of them uh, thus far, trying to shore up that backup point guard. I mean, I think he's going to be there. He's attractive to a lot of people, so you know, I, I just think that Collins. It's it's amazing how little we've talked about Zach Collins the last like two or three weeks, and I mean, because it started off so hot before, so so hot right now, that, uh, so hot. that
2: that that was all
0: the right. That was all the rage before any workouts were going on. That's that's how everyone slotted him going to the Hornets and. He's such a well
1: he's and I think this goes for Frank Nilakina as well. Such a wild card in terms of his draft stock. Yeah, and, and a lot yeah. of that is because Zach Collins came off the bench for Gonzaga last season, so you didn't get to have a huge sample size for him. Same with Frank Nilakina. My my oh, issue with Frank is that he barely could get off the bench when he played Pro Ball for France. And everyone yeah. is basing their draft stock. Projections on Frank in terms of moving him up into the uh, you know mid lottery on his play for like the the under eighteen or under nineteen team
0: it's for iffy, France and, uh, it's,
1: and, it's and that's iffy. I'm saying okay he got on a hot he got on a hot streak in, in that tournament which I he might still be playing and I feel like he he was playing all up through this pre draft period in the championships of that tournament and that's fine but okay if you're going to be worried about taking a player who got a hot streak in the NCAA tournament. Are you really Uh-oh. I mean look I get the wingspan I get the potential I it's get the real. defense yeah. but I'm super worried about basing a lottery pick on the point guard position a position that we know the head coach Steve Clifford is very picky about and and, and this is a this is an offense that, for the Charlotte Hornets that is very point guard based they don't run you know, they, they do have some alternate ball handlers, especially in that starting lineup. They'll they'll have Nick Batum, MKG even handle the ball a little bit and initiate the offense. But when you get down into the second unit, it really is. It was up to Ramon Sessions, Brian Roberts and then Briante Weber a little bit, too. Yeah. And and some of those guys uh, couldn't necessarily handle it. Uh, uh, one minute response, David, on on Frank Nielakina and my worries. Soothe me.
0: No, I'm with you on the worries. I mean, you watch some of his film and there are definite concerns there. But I just think that's how that's how huge the need is at backup point guard and point guard for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, after Kevin Walker goes out, the drop off was so significant last year. You said it yourself. We could have won. You know, they, They've lost several games, not having more depth at that point guard position. So I just think it's such a position of need and Frank is in that um you know crop of of young point guards in this draft that's in the upper echelon. I think if he's there they'll have a tough time uh not grabbing him. Again, I put him in number 3. Um I would take the other two guys over him, but I just think that there's such a significant uh need there that uh that that, that you might have to take a swing uh, in the draft on point guards.
1: You know what also concerns me, David? Mm. Very concerning. Buying tickets last minute for Shows, concerts, sporting events you want to go to, it's very stressful because you you feel like, oh, I'm going to pay a lot I'm buying last minute. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts in general has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And the problem is none of the older ticket sites want to do anything about it. But SeatGeek is different. No matter whether you're buying two months in advance or right before the show, They've created this amazing application and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets as well. The app tells you where the best deals are by searching a variety of ticket sites. They do the work for you, saving you time and money. Here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the Seakeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS. That's L O Hornets. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code Hornets. I just used the SeatGeek app to get my tickets to Mr. Wives in Carborough, oh. North Carolina. Oh. Drove up there, saw the concert. It was amazing. Great show. If I had one band recommendation, kind of a new band, just released their second album, just real quick music take. Mr. Wise, they play a lot of different instruments. If you're into like horns and no doubt and paramour and sort of a ska rock mix, they do it all and they have a great time and it's uplifting. That's what I needed. My pop, I need some uplifting pop. There's a lot going on in the world today and, and I can't even escape into television anymore because all the television is dark. Twin Peaks, house of cards, game of Thrones. It's all just darkness on television. So now I'm escaping into my pop music. Wow. That's, that's my take.
0: Wow. There you go, folks.
1: Let's escape into some second round picks. I've got a couple here. Put my paper Hit in front me. of my microphone real quick. Um, here are my three players. And and this these are not necessarily ranked in terms of tiers because the second round is so hard to predict. I just cobbled together three names that I think are really interesting for the Hornets for a variety of reasons. Number 1 on my list is Josh Hart. In the latest draft, Express ranking, he slipped a little bit. Was projected late first round, now could be available at 41 for the Hornets. He's a 6'6 senior, shooting guard from Villanova. Good size, good strength, good wingspan. He excelled at individual defense. Hey, Steve Clifford will like that. Great intensity. His shot is improving, and he showed that off really well in workouts, and he attracted a lot of attention there. But there are questions because he's a senior for your guys. They get a little bit of um, bias, I think, in the draft a little bit. And there's some concerns about how his shot will translate. He really struggles to pull up, so he's got to have shots created for him. He's got a little bit of an odd shot motion that takes just a half second longer to get going. He's good at a lot of things, but not great at many things. He's mature, loves to play defense. It would be very tough for him to crack the rotation for the Hornets unless something were to happen, a deal of some kind, because you've got Marco Bellinelli and Jeremy Lamb both shooting guards. Uh, play and he's not really big enough to play a three at 6'6", six, six. doesn't have that size or, or wingspan. Um, so they're pretty deep there. So that's one name. Cameron Oliver, six foot uh, eight, sophomore power forward out of Nevada. This guy is chiseled out of marble, 225 pounds. A lot of that is muscle. He's strong and lengthy with a 7'1 wingspan. And that's measured, folks. He can run in space, finish strong, shot well from college three, and averaged three – shot really well. Well, Had one of the best per 40 minutes apart from Lowry Markinen. He also averaged 3.3 blocks per 40. That's great his sophomore year. Questions about his shot translating to the NBA three and his motor have kept him in the second round. But when we talked to him in Charlotte, David, it sounded like he had turned a corner once he started this draft process. It's I think you get into college – and, and yeah, your motor can kind of wane, go, come. And then you get into the process and you hear all these people going, oh God, he kind of let it go a little bit and and you wake up. And I think he has, I think he's waking up and hopefully, you know, if the Hornets take him, he, he continues that uh, trend as well. But I think he could be an impact player, uh, maybe not immediately, but, um, you know, I, I think he could definitely be an impact player someday. And that's the thing with the 41st pick, the Hornets have a lot of options And my first suggestion would just be to actually make the pick. The Hornets have not selected and kept their second-round pick since Jeff Taylor in 2012. It's not exactly common, David, but immediate value can be found in the late first round and early second. Last year's second round featured Tyler Eulis, who, if you remember, David, lit the Hornets up as a member of the Suns. Malcolm Brogdon, who's in contention for Rookie of the Year. Patrick McCaw played in the finals. Isaiah Whitehead was serviceable stepping in for Jeremy Lin in Brooklyn. And Paul Zipser in the second round, a, a, a overseas guy, went at 48 and played a key role for the Bulls off the bench. One more name, Caleb Swannigan. I fell in love with this guy oh, early yes. and my, my interest waned a little bit. Six, nine power forward out of Purdue. He's bigger, longer than Cameron Oliver, but not as lean, not nearly as explosive. Can't run, you know, in space as well. His perimeter game isn't as reliable either, but here's what he has over Cameron Oliver. Great motor, great intensity, Wants to play defense. His perimeter game, uh, or excuse me, he's uh, he's got versatility, great feel for the game. Uh, he was asked to handle the ball a little bit at Purdue, and while he was turnover prone, he showed off some playmaking skills. So I like Caleb Swanigan as well. So it's interesting. I go all, I go two bigs and a guard, and you go three point guards. So eleven and forty one are going to offer some different options for the Hornets, and that's what you hope a little bit too is that they kind of they get maybe they've got a lot of needs to fill. I always say they this offseason they've got four holes to fill and three pegs so they've got to get creative
0: yeah i mean you chose a couple of guys with um, you know like you said college playing experience which i think of that second round kind of makes sense i mean i agree with you you just want to get a pick that will be able to play right i think in the second round um it, it's it's become a bit of a throwaway round you know i mean you mentioned that the hornets uh don't even like <laughs> drafting there so I think Hart is an interesting one. Um, again, another another point guard um, highlighting that need too. And I'm I'm with you on Swan again. I mean, I think somebody is going to get um, a good player at least for a couple of years. Though. I mean, he was very productive in college, uh, double doubles, hitting the boards. So uh, he'll be interesting. He, he, I mean, you may even see him sneak into the first round. I mean, it's possible. So. Um, Some interesting guys there, Doug.
1: Yeah, Hart's more two than one, but you hope that he can develop some ball-handling skills. He's certainly trying to show that off and and show off that he can initiate the offense. And after four years of college, you hope uh, that he had that experience somewhat. Uh, Hornets had their seventh and final pre-draft workout, and it had a lot of familiar faces. UNC star Justin Jackson was there, projected to go in the mid-teens. His Duke counterpart, Luke Kennard, was also there. Several mock drafts in the past few weeks had Kennard to the Hornets at 11 after Rich Cho, general manager, visited his pro day. Kennard said that the pro days are a lot about shooting, which obviously works for him because he's an excellent shooter. But the type of workout he went through yesterday saw him go toe-to-toe with a guy like Justin Jackson, and that allows him to show off his competitiveness, but also something that he says scouts aren't giving him enough credit for his athleticism.
0: Athleticism isn't just about you know jumping. I think it's you know being able to move side to side and being creative and uh, different aspects like that. I think you know I'm, I'm a more athletic player than people think. So I respect Luke Kennard
1: because I was into debate in college, and he uses a great debate tactic there, which is to redefine the terms of the thing that you're arguing for. So he's arguing that he is a, <laughs> is a good athlete. So instead of arguing the traditional definition of athlete, I'm going to change the Juffing. definition and that to a definition that more defines who I am. David, do you buy Luke Kennard the athlete?
0: To a certain extent, I think the defensive side of the ball is where people are really concerned about him. And that wingspan, We, how many times? Wingspan has got to be the word of the month for us. we said it so many times. Buzzword. It's so attractive. It's so attractive. It rolls and, off the tongue, wingspan. But, and Kennard's wingspan is not great. Um, so I, I just think that that's the big concern. It's got to be a concern for the Hornets too, though. I mean, that perimeter defense, if he can't guard anyone on the next level, it's going to be tough. But you said it. I mean, shooting it really is a premium in this draft, and that's why I think he's sneaking up these draft boards a lot. You know, I, the Hornets need some shooting. They need some outside uh, shooters. So, I mean, I think that it, it makes sense on that front. I just think the defensive side of it is going to be where he is the big question mark. I mean, I do think he's got the, the the want to, right? That's a big thing that we've always talked about, especially in Clifford's system, because he can get so much out of these guys. Uh, team defense wise. I mean, he can make a lot of things work that I think a lot of other coaches couldn't. So you don't worry about it quite as much, but at 11 um, just to get what may turn out to be a specialist um, stuff when they got some other high upside guys on the board there too.
1: Yeah. You saw their uh, perimeter defense or excuse me, their perimeter offense fall in terms of its efficiency and their three point rate stayed about the same. And that, fundamentally changed the way they played offense because the floor suddenly got really contracted but it also played a uh, played a part in in some of their defensive woes as well because those missed three-pointers more often than not turned into transition plays for the other team so they they have to address the three-point shooting for a variety of reasons it's what made them successful two seasons ago part of what made them successful and I think they've got to establish that three-point shooting again. Luke Kennard would go a long way to do that because I saw him at the end of this workout, David. And these workouts, we've heard from guys throughout this workout process that the Hornets run a really intense workout. They do a lot of competitive stuff, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, and they're really running these guys through the gamut. And so their legs are, are tired, their minds are exhausted, and you had Luke Kennard at the end of that workout, just automatic, I mean, fluid jump shot. You just can't say enough about his shooting talents. And at the yep. end of games, when other guys are going to be tired, losing their focus, my my old ball coach used to say, form over fatigue. When you get tired, go back to your form. That's always going to save you. And uh, he's, he's definitely got it. So, um, can... What do you
0: think, Doug? What do you think about that, though? Is, do you feel like 11... Because I think he's going to be well, so the, the, well,
1: my thought is the question that Rich Show is going to have to ask himself is: d- Does the scoring and the playmaking ability that Luke yeah. Kennard offers you out will it outweigh what he's going to sacrifice on defense? Because and it's tough on this particular squad because so many of the problems last season were rooted in, and in the playoffs uh, two seasons ago were rooted in this uh, Rubik's Cube of one-way players that the Hornets had assembled and skill players that, you know, you, you got to play, well, I can't play this guy with this guy because neither of these guys can play defense and that's going to affect me in this way. Like they had so many of those type of conundrums that adding another one-way player, I think would be a really difficult proposition. But uh, certainly if you're going to add a one-way player, Luke Kennard is a guaranteed uh, a shooter. You know, I mean, it, him yeah. and Lowry market and I think are two guys that that's if you it. bring in, yeah. you're going to get guaranteed shooting. And that's also, it's a known quantity, and those are really tough in the draft. Hi. So many, it, you look at Donovan Mitchell, like, can he score? Will Will that, uh, will his explosion and athleticism and ability to finish around the rim translate on the next level? Question marks. But with a guy like Luke Kennard, few question marks about that offense.
0: Yeah, one would be, I guess, can he, will he still be able to create Way other ways to score, just other than the outside shooting, because he did that really well in college. I mean, he was a fun guy to watch, one of the better scorers uh, in college basketball last year. Really used like his feet really well, and kind of gets into weird spaces and and gets shot off, shots off. He just will that be able to translate that is his, uh, along that's with his the
1: af- That's his quote, athleticism.
0: That's it, not just jumping anymore.
1: Finally, David. <laughs> We're like sure. we're like PR for athleticism. We're rebranding. We're rebranding athleticism now.
0: Hey, I like that definition. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start. I'm definitely gonna start using
1: it. Yeah, listen. I dr- I drink a lot of coffee, and uh, that gets me really excited. I move around the office quickly. Um, I'm a fast stapler. I'm athletic. Uh, finally, a name that has, if you'll excuse me, this pun exploded suddenly into the Hornets draft discussion. Bam, Out of bio, played center for Kentucky. Projects to be a power forward in the NBA. He grew up in Gatesville, North Carolina. Yesterday, he was showing off some of his outside shooting skills, which if you watch Kentucky last season, you're like, where did that come from? But it's something he says he's been working on since he was 12 years old. So the question is, why did we not see it at Kentucky last season?
0: I was asked to do that at Kentucky because, you know, we all played our parts. We all sacrificed certain stuff. So, I mean... And these workouts, I can do what I want. So I mean, just out here showing what I can do. He can
1: do what he wants, David. Do you? So now, it's a similar question to Luke Kennard. It's like, do you buy that argument that he's making? That look, I, you know, I, I did what I was asked to do. Uh, Coach Cal did not ask me, Bam Adebayo, to to go out to the three point line and knock down jumpers.
0: Huh? No. I mean, I really don't. <laughs> just to be frank with you. I, uh, I'm concerned about the noise around this this pick. I, I think I think Bam brings a lot of things to the table, but just in watching him last year and at Kentucky, regardless of what he was asked to do, there was just a lot of deficiencies for me once he got the ball in the post and didn't go directly to the rim. Um, definitely likes to dunk it a lot, wants to dunk it a lot, tries to dunk it a lot, but when that lane is cut off, uh, he struggles with a lot of the decision-making and certainly distributing the ball as well. I don't know about... I don't know about all these big guys stepping out in the workouts and and shooting threes and and claiming that just because they weren't asked to do that last year in college, that they can do it. That's, that's a red flag for me, Doug. Like there's usually a reason why guys aren't asked to, to get out there and shoot. I mean, I know the college game is a little different, but I, I I don't know how much you want those guys shooting at the next level either. Like Tony Bradley and bam as well. It's like, I, I just don't know. I mean, they have to show that at this stage of the game, but, um, you, had a chance, I, I just, you had a chance
1: to look at his tape, David. What do you think about the rest of his game? Are you sold on on the Hornets? Well, you know, it looks like um, our, our friend Rick Bunnell, the uh, Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, friend of the show, got this train rolling a little bit down the tracks yeah. in his draft coverage. Uh, so, do, do you buy Bam at eleven? Uh,
0: that terrifies me. Like, like I just said, I mean, I think it, it maybe a trade back, but to be honest with you. Adding Bam to this roster does, I don't think, one bit of good, uh, in my opinion, at this stage of the game. Uh, is just too raw offensively. Certainly would be, um, you know, another uh, an athletic guy you could throw out there. But even the defense, I don't think, is not like a big, grim defender. So I just don't – I have no idea. I have no clue what this fit is about uh, if it would end up going down that way with other guys on the board, I, I just think it would be a big swing and a miss.
1: Yeah. I don't really understand the bam love much either. I mean, he is a, he's a physical specimen. He's like a little mini Dwight Howard. He's, and he said at the yeah, workout, I mean, you know, I'm similar to Dwight and then I have big shoulders, but that that's really where the similarities in he's, it. he's very awkward in the high post. He he turns the ball over a lot there. He struggles to drive without turning it over uh, right. He really has to get back down to get close to the rim, and at six ten, that that could be a little tough to finish over more lengthy defenders if he's going, you know, kind of small ball five a little bit. Uh, I def- mean,
0: yeah, yeah, Doug. He's he's not Bismack Biamba level of like ineptitude with the ball in his hands, but I mean, honestly, but it's that tough. was the first thing. That's the first thing that flashed into my eyes. It's like this kind of looks like what they were hoping the level Biz would eventually get to. And that's not meant to be a shot, but it's not exactly a compliment. I mean, I just think it would be a big, big miss.
1: And the question is, so they've been looking for physicality and would they sacrifice complete lack of not complete, but of, but a, but a a developing skill level, because this team is built on high skill. Would they be able to deal with that?
2: Again, to add a guy like who's a very three. physical,
1: but he also has yeah. a low rebound rate and a really low block rate for his uh, position yeah, as well. Exactly. So,
0: yeah, as I said, like he's not a big rim defender. So, it's like, what are you adding? Are you, you're in this draft with as many guys that you can at least, at least slot them in and know kind of what, what you brought them in to do, right? Like, yes, he's going to bring the athleticism, but you're going to have to work with him on the offensive side of the ball. I just, I don't know. I don't understand the thinking around that.
1: Well, I'm going to ask uh, Rick Benell here in about 30 minutes uh, what he thinks about Bam Adebayo, why why he believes uh, he could be the wild card in this draft. That will air that interview will air on tomorrow's show, but if you want to listen to it later today, good news, you can with Patreon. Patreon is a way for you to help us produce the most in-depth Charlotte Hornets coverage you will find anywhere. For just $1 a month, you can get access to content before anyone else does. And you'll basically be a member of our team, Locked On Hornets, Team Locked On. Visit patreon.com slash L-O-H and help keep our hive alive for a buck a month. Plus, we've posted all of the draft profiles that we've been doing over the past few weeks where we've been talking to smart basketball people uh, across the spectrum, across our, our friends at SB Nation, the guys that know these players intimately. We've posted all of those profiles on that page So you can get caught up so quickly without having to go back to some of our older archived episodes Um, just for, again, buck a month. It helps us out, helps us keep producing uh, this show. Speaking of smart basketball people, we've got more draft analysis ready to to go from Chris Kroger, host of Primetime on WFNZ, 610 AM, 102.5 FM. He's a sideline reporter for their coverage of the Hornets. And he knows more than anyone about how important this draft is for the Charlotte
2: Hornets. Rich Cho and Steve Clifford kind of hinted at it uh, right after their, uh, you know, their season-ending press conferences. That you know a lot of this team's growth moving forward is going to have to come from within, and I think. What we're talking about with that is not only the guys on the roster, but the guys that are about to be on the roster. So you got two picks, 11 and 41. And I think those guys are going to have to fit into that mix as well. They're going to have to be part of that internal development. And this team has kind of had different views on the draft. Uh, It seems off and on over the last couple of years, they've taken some developmental picks that have developed and then they've gone with some. You know more ready-made turnkey guys out of the draft like Frank Kaminsky last year so it'll be interesting to see where it falls in the spectrum uh, coming up next week.
1: How do you rank the top two or three franchise needs as they head into this draft be it player types traits overall needs that they'll need to address either in this draft or maybe over the course of the offseason?
2: Well I think there's a couple of things I think first you know we saw last year that the depth was just a huge issue which is ironic because you go back to two years ago when you're winning 48 games and you're one of the top 10 teams and offense and defensive efficiency in the NBA, they were one of five teams to be, be in that group last uh, two years ago. You know, you're talking about teams like the Clippers, the Spurs, uh, the Cavs, the Warriors, and the Hornets were part of that mix. And then this year, just such a huge drop off when you went to the second unit and especially on the defensive end. And so that that's got to be fixed. I think you got to add some depth to this team. I think size uh, and, and depth in the front court needs to be added as well, which is, I guess, pretty ironic, too, when you think of the fact that this team just brought in Miles Plumley in his four-year $50 million contract. I think there are a lot of fans that look at him and say, no, we, sh- we should have plenty of size. we got plenty of big men, but I- I'm not sure that that's true, and I don't know if you can have enough of those in the NBA. And I think you got to find uh, some guys that just add some range shooting. It doesn't need to be their number one skill. Uh, But I I think you got to find some guys that fit back into that 3-and-D type of mentality out on the wing because that that seemed to be a drop-off this year, too.
1: The Hornets need to add depth. Uh, This draft is regarded as one of the deeper drafts in recent memory. Uh, The Hornets are drafting right outside of the top 10. What kind of value uh, can fans expect from the 11th pick?
2: Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I don't know, honestly, even if you go into the top 10, I don't know how many all-stars we're going to get out of this draft, but I do think we could walk away with, you know, maybe 15 to 20 really good players who stick around for a very long time in this league. And so, you know, maybe you get a Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball who ultimately turn into a, an all-star or a, you know, a, a surreal cornerstone piece for your franchise, but I, I don't see this draft having those types of players, but that's, a, that's a good thing. I think, again, if you're the Hornets, you know, ideally, yeah, you'd love to find the next superstar, but you should walk away with one, if not two, really good contributors to your team for a very long time if, you, if you're doing your homework. And so I, I think you should be excited by that. I think there, there's, there's going to be a guy in this draft at 11 that is somebody that could be a potential starter for you in a year or two or three years, but right away should be coming off the bench and logging some key minutes. And I think you go to that 41st pick, there's a wide range of guys that could be there. And if you go guard in the or wing in the 11th uh, with the 11th pick, I think you could find size at 41 and vice versa. So I I think they should walk away with two guys that they're planning on, on contributing uh, both now and and later for this team.
1: So Chris, you've been thinking about this a while. You've been talking to a lot of people. Who do you love? Who do you like? Who do you hope the Hornets really think hard about before selecting?
2: Uh, I really love Zach Collins. I really love Donovan Mitchell. I really love Lowry Markinen. Uh, I don't know how many of those guys will be there at 11. I really like Luke Kennard because I think he's got an offensive game. That's just going to allow him to play for a very long time in the NBA, whether that's as a situational player or as a, uh, as a shooter off the bench. Um, but you know, we were talking to John Rothstein the other day from CBS and he, I think he, put this really well said you are who you can guard in this league and I think that's really true of what the Hornets have uh on the roster right now and that's definitely true for me if Luke Kennard I, I just don't know what you can do with him defensively and for a team that's already trying to hide enough pieces defensively in Jeremy Lamb and Marco Bellinelli to me that's a major no-no at number 11 so if everybody else is off the board I wouldn't hate it I, I don't love it Donovan Mitchell to me is somebody that just fits what this team wants to do. Attitude, readiness, uh, he's got a maturity about him, even as a two-year player coming out of Louisville. I know he's a little small at 6'2", but that wingspan at 6'10", I think covers a lot of those uh, concerns. And he fits, I think, uh, day one from a defensive uh, standpoint, what they want to do. And he came along last year as an offensive player. And, you know, Zach Collins, his numbers, when you're spanning him over 36 and 48 minutes because he was coming off the bench last year, I think he's a guy that seems to have a lot of upside. I think he might be a rim protector down the road in the NBA. He's already got a great offensive game. And Lowry Markinen might be that Chris Stapps-Porzingis type of big man uh, in this year's draft. If you, He's obviously not going to be Carl Anthony Towns, in my opinion. He's, he's slightly under that talent level, but he is a true mismatch at center that fits in today's NBA. And the Hornets don't have a player like that on the roster.
1: Your guest, John Rothstein from CBS Sports, also said that he would select Donovan Mc- Mitchell over Luke Kennard seven days a week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> so, and he I agree was, he with was that. Really I think.
2: Uh, yeah, and I think I agree with that. If only for, again, if you're looking at a team elsewhere who only needs some scoring help and some shooting help off the bench. Yeah, there's no harm in drafting Luke Kennard. I mean, I think if we're being completely honest with ourselves, this Hornets team—and Steve Clifford said it a lot at the end of last season and after the season ended—they got away from their defensive, um, you know, identity, and especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And I, I just don't know what Luke Kennard's game grows into defensively. It's certainly not going to be anything quick. He's going to have to add a lot of size to his body. You know, I think unfortunately, what fails him too is. You are what you are. And so if he was a few inches taller, I think we'd be talking about Luke Kennard maybe as a guy like Gordon Hayward down the road. I just don't ever see him growing into that. I mean, Hayward's body is transformed in the NBA. I don't know how Kennard's body does that to stand up on the defensive end. And that's just a major concern based off how the Hornets want to play.
1: And so much of this is, you know, when you look back a couple of years after the draft, who would have thought? That's the thing. It's like you look back at pictures of Steph at the time and doing the workouts and who would have thought? That I mean, that you had an idea that he was a really, really good shooter, but w- would anyone have projected him as as a as an MVP? You know, oh
2: God, no! Yeah, yeah. you're right, and I, and I and I think so much of this too is, you know, you gotta you gotta find the intangible aspects of it, and you know, you, Doug, you were there just the other day when when Donovan Mitchell was. Um, speaking with the media after his, his draft workout. And I think those workouts are a bit of a joke anyway. I mean, if you're drafting a guy, and teams know this, but if you're drafting a guy based off of how he performed in a workout, you, you're doing it wrong in the first place. But just the way he carries himself and the things that he said, even just answering the media, I mean, he's mature. I think he's mature past his age, and he's, he, he had this drive. And I think the fact that Steve Clifford was working him on the side a little bit after the workout was over, he was taking an interest in him. And so you look for little clues like that because Steve Clifford, uh, to be honest, it, and like a lot of coaches, is not a huge fan in the NBA of some of these young 18, 19 year old kids coming straight out of college pretty raw. So I, I think, you know, you look for stuff like that. What's going to put somebody over the edge? It's the attitude, it's the readiness, it's, it's being able to put in work uh, on that grind for 82 games. And it, it's really only, you're getting like a month off during the summer. If that, and and you got to be able to work and be a self-starter, and I think Donovan Mitchell has a lot of that in him, which I think is a is a good sign.
1: He's very savvy, and that came across in, in the interview that he did uh, for your station WFNZ. I mean, he knows sort of the audience that he's talking to, and look, you know, at the at the end of the day, you got to put the ball on the floor and play, but at the same time, uh, he's comfortable. And, and that comes across in, in in the way you in the way he's you know speaks to the media. I want to talk about this idea of going for a home run swing with the eleventh pick and I think that's symbolized in a guy like Frank Laquina, who could fall to the hornets at eleven very young, very small sample sizes, but huge upside, even bigger wingspan than Donovan Mitchell at least rumored um, might not make it to the eleventh pick, but if he does, are you okay with the hornets taking someone? that might not be ready to play in the bigs for maybe a season in the context of how many issues they have to address with the few options that they have to play with.
2: Yeah. You know, I I don't, I don't hate it. I think if here's the thing, if you do that, you really gotta be, you have to be committed to using that 41st pick and whether you're using that 41st pick to move into the latter portion of the first round again, Mm. or, or whether that's, you know, using that pick to uh, facilitate, uh, you know, Another roster move. I don't know what that is, but I think if you do that, you have to be committed to not selling that pick. And the Hornets have uh, not been committed to using the forty-first pick, their second-round pick, very often over the over recent years. But this is a different draft, like you were saying earlier. I think there's a lot of depth there. And once you get after, I don't know, seven, eight, nine. I think ten to to thirty or forty. I don't I don't know how much of a of a drop off there is, honestly, in overall talent at those picks. So I think if you do that, you got to be committed to that. I, I like the fit with. Already having a Frenchman on the roster, and Nick Batum, who maybe could be a, a bit of a, of a you know, somebody who mentors him and, and brings him along. And I, I think if you do that, you, you got to go guard again, though. I mean, if you take a guard um, or a wing at, at, at that 11th pick that you're not planning on having right away and being a contributor right away, what do you do? Do you go uh, maybe like a Frank Mason, a third who they're working out? Do you go him at 41? I, I think you got to find a guard who's going to be on the board. Maybe it's a, a Bryce Alford out of UCLA. I don't know who is, who was working out with him the other day. He's got elite three point shooting. I think he's got size to him and a grittiness to him and a savviness to him where he could be that change of pace point guard, maybe uh, down the road. So I think if you do that, you got to be committed to, to using that 41st pick or moving back up to make sure you get kind of that backup point guard. Cause I think that's what they're really after right now, one way or another.
1: So Chris, we're heading into the home stretch of, of this draft pre-draft period and so you're going to have a lot of rumors flying around uh, how much you've been doing this a while how much of what we hear and see can we trust at this point
2: i don't think very much you know i think especially with this draft i think teams have had their minds made up for a while now you know you're hearing about, about the lakers talking about doing deals or they're not sold on lonzo ball If Lonzo Ball is not in a Lakers uniform uh, come Thursday night, I'd be shocked. And I'd I'd say the same thing for, you know, the Celtics. It appears to them they're down to Markel Fultz and uh, Josh Jackson. And there's some, you know, now you get some whispers that, yeah, they're really, really high on Josh Jackson. They're swinging that way. I think they probably still go Markel Fultz. You know, they've been scouting this guy all year long. What's changed in the last couple of months and weeks where you you make a a swap on that? So I I think things are probably going to go according to plan. What you can't account for is a team doing something really stupid, like the Kings reportedly interested in using their two top 10 picks to move up and guarantee a player like Josh Jackson. I mean, what sense does that make? So. I think you really got to look back and go back over the last couple of months, see who teams were tied to, who they loved, who they were interested in. And if you're the Hornets, you just cross your fingers and hope somebody does something stupid. You know, the one thing that keeps lingering out there is that Dennis Smith Jr., you know, could take a tumble. If he's not snatched up, maybe outside the top five, maybe he goes past the top 10. And if you're the Hornets and Dennis Smith Jr. is there at 11, they were at his pro day yesterday on Thursday. I mean that's a no-brainer. You take Dennis Smith Jr. and you don't you don't think twice about it. But I, I'm just not so, so sure that's actually going to happen at the end of the day.
1: All right, final question, an important one. Uh, where will you be on June 22nd, draft night, and what will you be drinking?
2: Oh, that's, that's a, that's a big question. Well, I, I actually, I think I'm going to be working. So I don't know if I can, if I could be uh, drinking on the job on Thursday the water, a little
1: tea, little, I'm, I'm yeah. a tea and honey guy right now. I'm, I, it's like the first time I've ever really been into the honey. I've drank tea before, but putting the honey in it has revolutionized uh, my voice and uh, my taste buds.
2: You know what? I'm, I'm a big fan, Doug, of, uh, of LaCroix. I don't know if you're on the LaCroix bandwagon. I love some seltzer water, slightly fav- flavored, <sighs> zero calorie, I kicked soda a couple years ago, and so this is my kind of soda fix. It's carbonated, still 100% water, naturally flavored. So I, I might go some LaCroix, or if I want to just keep it classy, I'll go a little uh, club soda with lime. Okay, I, that's what I might do.
1: I, In my heart, I understand sparkling water, seltzer water, but when it hits my taste buds, my brain says, my brain is expecting a sweet flavor, <laughs> and it just, right. it's never clicked for me. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's my, that's become my go But go-to. I respect it's, it. Yeah, you got to You got to You got to retrain your brain. OK, so I kicked soda a few years ago. That's that's my thing. And uh, I think we're doing the show. The plan is to do the show from uh, uh, from Spectrum Center next Thursday. And then I'll scoot over to uh, uh, to the media center as, uh, as the Hornets get ready. And I'll, And I think it's going to be a long night. I, I, I'd be shocked if the Hornets uh, don't use that second pick either to make a trade for a vet or use it and, and move back up into the first round. Or, or just stay at 41 and, and select a player. But I think the Hornets are going to walk away with two new players on Thursday night one way or the other. So I think Hornets fans should be excited about that.
1: He's Chris Kroger, host of Primetime on WFNZ, 610 a.m., 102.5 FM, weekdays, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Chris, thanks so much as always.
2: All right, Doug. Talk to you soon, buddy.
1: All right, David, under a week away, final thoughts before we get out of here.
0: It's been an interesting run, Doug. Uh, The workouts are over. I don't think the noise is over, though. I mean, we're going to hear everything from Bam to Frank to Donovan Mitchell uh, thrown out there on the board this week. I mean, do you think – I'm going to say this. I don't think we're done seeing the trades. Um, It could just be a big bang at the top, but I think we're going to see some other little moves made, you know, right up to draft night, maybe on draft night.
1: You are who you are. Rich Cho likes to build through the trade market.
0: And I think
1: that unless they fall in love with a particular player and are are really 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 super super sure as sure as you can be in this crapshoot that we call the NBA draft, I I believe again I go back to this thing that I think that they have four holes and three pegs.
0: (laughs) Okay, enough of the holes, Doug. But I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying.
1: No, listen. There are four. Okay, well I'll say there there are four four holes in the dam. That they've got right. a plug. Is that better? Any better? I don't know. No, I don't know. it might not be. I don't think so. But listen, hey, I don't hey, know what know, other he, analogy to use. They've got nah, they've got I, some some things to think about, and they they've got yes. to get creative and how they think about it.
0: I, I do keep this in mind, though. I think that in a moment of desperation, sometimes people will go against the grain, and I don't think that Risch shows at the point of desperation or that this team is desperate. But yeah, he does definitely like to trade. That's where a lot of his success has come if there's ever a year to keep your pick and, and take a shot at a guy, I think this draft is deep enough to do that. And maybe, um, you know, I, I just think they're going to keep, I have a feeling they're going to keep that pick um, because just of all the movement they did last year and the depth here. I think it, I think that's what I would do, to be honest with you. That's what I'm hoping for.
1: I going to say something to you, David, that, uh, that a wise person once told me. I've dropped a lot of sayings in this show. And, and it's this one. When you're running late, go the way you know don't try to get cute don't try to don't try to find that shortcut just go the way you know so that that would be my advice to to the Charlotte Hornets and any team drafting go with your gut go with your instinct don't try to get cute because sometimes think, it burns you.
0: I think I would go because Stan's an opposite day for the Hornets, to be honest with you. forget you. Uh, your forget. first instinct, ignore it and go the opposite <laughs> way on draft night.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. There we have we have opposite views, David. That's good. This is going to serve us well uh, Thursday night when we do our live draft coverage. Make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube and uh, Twitter as well for alerts about that show. Should be a fun time. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz buzz at LockdownHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow for more analysis. And Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer will join us. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Napa no